It's time for another edition of Dome and Domer, the only podcast for Notre Dame fans by Notre Dame fans. If you're looking for cogent analysis and unbiased opinions backed by careful reporting, you've come to the wrong place. For the next 20 minutes or so, you'll get a fan's perspective on the Fighting Irish without all the normal spin from the so-called professional analysts. It's Dome and Domer. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Brammer and Ed Jordanic. Hello, Irish fans, and welcome to another edition of Dome and Domer. My name is Mike Brammer. Joining me tonight, Ed Jordanic, also joining us from ndnation.com, Mike Coffee. All right, you know, Ed, I... I always like to say that you pretty much know after the third game what kind of team you've got and what you're looking at for the rest of the season. So that being the case, why don't you enlighten us on what we're dealing with here and what we're looking forward to? Well, I think, um, you know, I think all of us want some confirmation that, uh, uh, you know, Marcus Freeman is the right guy for this job. Um, I think after the first quarter Saturday, uh, a few of us were sort of wishing that he and Tommy Reese had gone down to Baton Rouge and that the, <laughs> Matt, the, the, the Matt Campbell project was in, you know, fair enough, in full swing. But yep. um, but I think if they can build on some of the some of the brights, brighter spots that we saw, I, I don't think we can get too enthusiastic. But if, I mean, if they can build on some of the things that we did see, namely, you know, a defensive line and an offensive line that looked a little bit more like we thought that they would look then, um, you know, and, and they, they win a game or two that maybe right now they would not be favored in after these first, um, these first three games the, you know, I, I think, I think that's, you know, it always sucks to lower expectations, but I think that's what we've got to do. And we've got to be realistic, especially with this quarterback and these, this collection of, uh, you know, um, receivers. So, um, and, you know, there's some limitations on defense, too, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm perfectly, you know, I, I'm not thrilled about it, but I'm I'm okay with um, an offense that moves in this direction. If that's going to be their identity, where they're going to be able to push people around and, you know, get their average per carry up over four and win a bunch of games, you know, 24 to 17, they're winning football games and doing it that way because that's that's the personnel that they have, but they eliminate mistakes. They play cleaner football. Um, they show each week that they're getting better. I, I, I think you know that's what <laughs> you know. What we're not we're not going to the playoffs. You know we're not gonna um, we're, we're not gonna win the rest of our games. Um, but we've got to have confirmation that this project is uh and now that we see that it's actually a project it's not just kind of a an extension and a you know a ascension uh to you know georgia ohio state alabama world um that um you know that that's that's what that's what we've got ahead of us and you know you either accept it and hope that the recruiting doesn't um take a step back and that that gets us to georgia Ohio State, Alabama land over the course of the next several years of the Freeman tenure. Um, and that, uh, you know, some, yeah. of these, some of these kids grow into, the, grow into their roles and, and become All-Americans. But, but uh, yeah, you're right about that. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to have the recruits, right? I mean, you can't, when it's all said and done, you, you can't be recruiting at a level outside of the top 10 
and expect to compete in the college football playoffs. At least that's my my gut instinct is you got to be at least in the top 10. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, at the very moment, Freeman has proven himself to be a heck of a recruiter. Well, He's not, got not yet. not yet. I mean, we haven't signed it yet, but but if if you look at where he was at prior to the beginning of the season, he had the number one class in 2023 and a pretty doggone good start on 2024. So if he can maintain those and bring them in and then fix himself, and, and when I mean fix himself, I mean gain the experience that he needs because it's pretty obvious that's what we're dealing with here. We've got an inexperienced head coach who's finding his way and it's probably going to take him this entire year and maybe a little bit into next year. Who knows? Um, but, I mean, that is where we're at as a program at the mem- at the moment. And, you know, like you say, if they can create an identity with just winning football games this year, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, do whatever you got to do to win. But he's going to have to figure this out and he's going to have to play to his strengths. You know, Coffee, I'm kind of curious. I, I, I kind of think... I know how you're going to answer this, but it'll be interesting to see. But Let's in the out. in the so in the first game, uh, Chris Tyree got seven touches. In the second game, he got six touches, and all of a sudden, a lot of criticism was thrown at for whatever re, uh, however you want to slice it up. But a lot of criticism was thrown at the coaching staff that this guy needs to get a lot more touches, and lo and behold. He, we finished the California game, and he has 23 touches. Okay, and hold indeed. Yeah, and, well, I, I, and so, I think this is fans know from watching these games where the talent is, and as you said, we, we've we've got a lack of experience on the coaching staff, which you know, for better or for worse, we're going to have to deal with this as a project. I liked the fact that uh, Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman were able to look at the game film and look at what they were doing, realize that something had to be shifted, and they were willing to shift it. They were willing to say, we need to get guys like Chris Tyree more touches. We need to get him the ball in space, Make have our athletes do something for us, which I, I give them all the credit in the world for being willing to adjust and not to say, oh, I've been coaching for 27 years. You, you knew I was going to throw a Kelly quote in here, but... <laughs> I, I was I was happy that the staff was willing to make the adjustments they needed to make to win the game and not be worried about perception or the questions they might get. Well, why didn't like, as you said, 13 touches in the first two games, 23 in the second? I mean, obviously that was an adjustment. Obviously that needed to be made, but the coaching staff had the I don't know if the word is humility, but the willingness to say, this is what's going to help our team win, and we're going to shift, and we're going to do it. Yeah, and they, I mean, they obviously did. I mean, t- and look, I mean, Tyree is, is uh, he was a five-star, I think, recruit coming to us, wasn't he? I, I want to say he was on a couple of the recruiting, he was five-star. Um, but clearly, a guy who's got talent who needs a few more touches. Um, but, you know, the, the other thing, Ed, that I thought was kind of interesting was, just, you know, and I don't know, I to be honest with you, I have not watched the actual clip of Tommy Reese going kind of crazy on um, Drew Pine. 
<laughs> on true pun, but just just out of curiosity, just in, in in terms of showing this, I mean, I think it's, I don't know, I, I do it's think it's a meme forever, but well, it speaks volumes to at the point of the game. Um, but but if you look at that, you know, this particular throw, so Pine, you know, drops back, makes his reads. It's obvious that he's staying with this outside receiver, so he's got Mayer coming in. If Pine puts this ball anywhere on the right side of this hash, he's got plenty of room to run. Mayer does. And he breaks open, he makes the break, and Pine just completely misses him. Just way overthrown. Huge opportunity to throw it anywhere near the middle here. And he just doesn't execute. And, I, you know, look, it's, I think it's a combination of what happened previously, right? Because with the start of that series, the very first series, you know, we had a little dump pass in the backfield that Pine threw at his ankles and it goes incomplete. And it's like, okay, what happened? What's going on here? And I think it's indicative of just him not slowing the game down, you know, not having the confidence to just take your time, make your reads, make the easy throw. Don't don't hurry up and rush this. Allow the game to come to you. And, and the frustrations with Tommy Reese, you know, kind of hit a boiling point at that point, mostly because it was just a huge play in the game. And, if, if you know, if you look at the stats, I mean, we started out pretty ugly on the first three series. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, the old saying about winning is contagious. Well, I'm sorry, so is losing. And after Marshall and the way things started uh, this past Saturday, you could make a really case that, not that it was a season on the brink, um, but, you know, this is a football team that was, you know, teetering in terms of just self-confidence, um, you know, ability to execute. So I think you got to give them a little bit of credit. You know, obviously you can, <laughs> you can look, the, the statistics pre-Tommy Rant and post-Tommy Rant, and they were significantly better after he he bit uh, Pine's head off. Um, but you know they kind of they kind of got their asses in gear. Now whether that was you know coaching, whether that was some some senior leadership, whether whether it was a combination of the two, or whether they just looked up at the scoreboard and looked across the line of scrimmage and said, "How the you know f are we losing to these guys?" Um, Whatever the reason was, um, that you know, the, a lot of this is mental. Um, a lot of what I saw in the Marshall game was not like physical deficiencies. Marshall freaking went out and lost to Bowling Green two day, you know, three days ago. Okay. Yeah, that, that okay. kind of shocked me. I got to be honest with you, I was totally shocked by that. I just couldn't process that because I thought for sure they would roll them. Well, those and, kind of and I don't know. Those kinds of things are kind of predictable, right? Um, a big letdown after a big, huge win, big, huge game. Everybody's showering you with praise, right. and then you lay an egg because that's what you typically do. At the end um, of the day, we're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-olds, right? So, right, right. Um, so that is – but um, – so, you know, listen, it was still – it was still a pretty sloppy freaking game. Okay, let's, let's be honest. Okay, the bright spots were, you know – Brian Mason, the special teams coach, um, you know, I'm sorry, everybody's going to, you know, you know, give Freeman and company grief about not having a successful portal when it comes to quarterback and, and receiver. And they probably deserve a little bit for that, for not at least bringing some guys in or trying to figure out how to do that. Um, but 
you know, Brian Mason did an excellent, excellent job identifying two specialists that we really needed. Um, and, you know, so those guys, that, so that's a bright spot. Sot, again, was very solid. He, he, he's got a good leg, and he knows how to place the ball inside the 15-yard line. And that 47-yard field goal that that guy kicked, I still don't know what his name is, Groupie or whatever his name is, um, he cranked it. I mean, that, yeah, thing went, that, that was huge. Absolutely huge. The other thing is, is this is the first kicker we've had at Notre Dame in, in my memory. Um, I mean, we've had some good ones, but this guy gets the ball into the air uh, higher, quicker. Yeah, in a hurry. Kicker, I agree right? with you. You know, yep. he's, you, you watch no his doubt. extra points, and his extra points are, you know, three quarters up on the goalpost when they go through from that short distance. That's pretty impressive. We haven't had that for, but anyways, okay. So that's yeah. a bright spot. Another bright spot is the sacks in the second half and the ability to, to get to the quarterback. And a third bright spot is absolutely having some push by the offensive line at the point of attack, getting to the second level, you know, moving, uh, you know, moving the, the California um, defense around a little bit by being able to run the ball in the second half. But there's still a litany of things you know, the penalties, the, you know, we still are, are the, the thing that drives me crazy about defenses at all um, levels of football is, you know, they talk about these coaches talking, they love to use this phrase complimentary football, where the polar opposite of complimentary football is your offense goes and gets a touchdown, your defense immediately gives up a drive that leads right. to points. And right. we've done that, you know, several times this year. I mean, the stuff, you know, the, the defending the Hail Mary at the end was, <laughs> you know, abysmal. I mean, he, you know, he could have made the play. He literally, oh, if, he, sure. if he brings that in, it's a touchdown. No, it's, so it's, there was there was a very clear scenario whereby Notre Dame is 0-3 losing in overtime to Cal on a totally. You know, after, totally. after after having its first two turnovers of the year taken away by, you know, either penalty or uh, or uh, overturned call. So uh and you know so i guess all i'm saying is is that there's still an awful lot to clean up um yeah but you've got to walk before you can run um and and so notre dame took a step you know albeit a hesitant step in the right direction on saturday and i you know so you know another big step would be um you know coming out and punching north carolina in the mouth a team that is not sort of known for its toughness or its physicality, right? <laughs> He's right. played nobody so far. Nobody, exactly. Well, they can they can put up points. I mean, they've proven that. And I, yeah, I against, think you know, the, the lower echelon of Division One and the upper echelon of Division Two. which I, I, I'm not trying to cast aspersions, but, you know, it, it, it's not like they played like a mid-level Big Ten team or something. Yeah. Well, you, can't, you can't have more contrasting styles, right? You've got a team that probably has – above average, uh, you know, skill position players against a team that has right now below average skill position players uh, and a team that has above average, um, you know, front seven and offensive line play against a team that has, you know, below average. You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's a very interesting matchup that way. And the way that, you know, listen, I don't, you know that I think play calling is one of the most overrated things that people analyze. But Tommy Reese called a very, very good game on Saturday. You know, they didn't. Uh, yeah, we just didn't execute. I agree. I, yeah, I mean, I kind know, of agree. I, I thought we just didn't execute. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he did exactly what he had to do to, to win the football game with a quarterback who hadn't was getting having his first start, um, and with a you know against an opponent 
that's soft underbelly was being able to stop the run. Um, you know, he, and he mixed up the, you know, the stuff well. Um, so that's what he's got to do again. I think it's a very similar assignment uh, for this weekend. It's time of possession and limit the explosive plays on defense. And if Notre Dame does that, I think that they'll have another successful day. I don't think North yeah. Carolina is that great. So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. So, Coffee, I'm just kind of curious because this came up, and I think it's you know, it's probably one of the first times where I'm I'm gonna start to begin to question Freeman and his choices as a head coach. But at the end of the half, uh, you know, here on on the play by play, they've got it at four seconds, but I want to say it was six. I think the Game clock was reset to six seconds. But anyways, you're inside the opponent's 50-yard line. You're at their 45, too far for a field goal, six seconds left, and he decides to punt it. And I, I just was kind of curious, as, and I don't know, there's a bunch of different ways to argue this point, but yeah. with six seconds left, you can easily drain the clock. That's not hard to do. Well, because I, I'm... I'm one of those people who remembers Jarius Jackson getting injured, taking a safety against LSU, whatever, however many years ago. And yeah. I, I, but that's in your own end zone. That's a yeah, different story I'm, than I'm being on the so I, I, I do agree with you. I think you've got minimal seconds left. This should be a pass that at least your quarterback can try. Worst case scenario, he throws an interception, a meaningless interception. Guy gets tackled at the 10. and Game's over. I mean, the half's over. You don't – nothing happens. I can see, though, Marcus Freeman has a very solid connection to the psyche of his players. I think – as you said, he's a players coach. We talked – I can't remember if it was before we started recording about how there's differences between players like Lou Holtz and play and or coaches like Lou Holtz and coaches like Dabo Sweeney and stuff like that who, who want yeah. to try to yeah. get with their players. So kind of part of that new age approach. I, I get I, it. I can yeah. see him see, looking at Drew Pine, who has been who is playing uncharacteristically bad. I mean, we saw him play last year, played much more solid than he did this year, or in the first half of the yeah, of the this first game. half of this. So I could see him saying, Okay, he's had a bad first half. I need to get him in the locker room and get his mind right. I need him to be the player he was for us last year when he was filling in for Cohen and all that. But is that going to happen if he's throw if he throws a Hail Mary that I don't know if he's really physically capable of doing, he throws another pick and got rid of something goes wildly wrong and it gets run back for a lot of yards. It puts him in a bad mindset. Should he have thrown the Hail Mary? Yeah, if if I were in that position, I would have. But I can understand why he chose to do what he did. Yeah. I think part of the reason that it's it's a thing that we're talking about is because of the end of the half of the Oklahoma State game and the end of the half of the Ohio Appalachian State. State. Or, Appalachian yeah. State ends up winning the game. Yeah. No, oh, but, that no, was but nuts. I mean, no, but I'm yeah, that was nuts. No, but you know what I'm saying is is that yeah. he was he was criticized and rightly so for how he handled the end of the half against Oklahoma State, and he was criticized probably rightly so for how he handled the end of the half against Ohio State. And so these kind of things add up, and you're kind of wondering, like, what what's the problem? You know, like, and the other thing is, we all saw the, you know, the internet clip of, of Drew Pine throwing the ball 60 yards in the air at the Manning camp this past summer. So we're like, why the hell don't they just, now, of course, he was in shorts and a t-shirt, 
uh, <laughs> that had no yeah, rush, true. you know, but still, it's kind of like, yeah. why, aren't they, why aren't they letting him do that? Well, 45-yard line, so we're talking 45 yards. Exactly. That's it. Was less than what he threw it in that in that clip. Yeah. So, um, you know, listen. It's not what I it, It's not what I would have done, but I understand why he did it. Sure, sure. And you know, the other thing is, is that, you know, do we really want to do that and then watch it hit Brent, uh, you know, Lindsay in the hands and fall to the ground? I mean, that would just make us <laughs> even more more annoyed and, and frustrated. So, yeah. You know, you know, but hey, listen. Whatever. I mean, listen. There will be new things. I think the thing is, is that what we'll see this weekend is. There'll be new things that'll make us, you know, SMH, you know, shaking our shaking our head, uh, and um, but there'll be, you know, hopefully a few more things that demonstrate progress, right? That demonstrate yeah. uh, a team that's 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 coming around. And I think that, you know, I was talking to Sully about this today, that they'll they'll steal a game that we don't expect them to win, or they'll they'll do something this year that will. I think that will will give us uh, you know more than just uh, hope because um, they'll uh, uh, they've got you know they've got uh, you know they're not some suddenly just some kind of like they didn't go from being you know um, having you know top ten talent to to being you know Bowling Green you know in two weeks they just they just kind of lost their way. Yeah, that's exactly I think, right. I think upstairs more than physically. So Yeah, I would agree with you. And I, I think it, more than anything, all we want to see is we just want to see progression from week to week. Do you guys get better as a team? Do you execute better? Do you cut down on the penalties? Do you make the plays in the big moments? You just want to see some progression towards that because right. then that indicates that, all right, we're doing the right things at practice. We're doing the right things from game to game. We're doing the right kind of adjustments, and that's that's what you want to see. You just want to know that we're we're progressing, and that's that's all we care about. And, and I think North Carolina is a big opportunity to show that. So let, let's see what we've learned from these first three games, and let's see something that shows up on the field this Saturday that indicates that we're heading in the right direction. Well, that's what you. What's interesting going to be interesting to me about Saturday is. You know, if you're the North Carolina, you know, if you're Mac Brown and the North Carolina defensive coordinator, um, there's a pretty clear sort of approach to how you're going to defend this offense based on what you've seen, right? I mean, you, make them throw the football. I'm exactly. going to put eight guys in the box and let's see what you can do. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, Notre Dame, you know, has responses for that, right? They have, you know, an all American tight end, um, they have a running back that could also play slot receiver. <laughs> you know, in terms of his right. ability, right? They have, um, you know, they have Kevin Bauman, I think, who is a, another effective receiver in sort of the mid-range game, which could be another target for, for Pine. So they, but they have to be creative and they have to, you know, they can't, they can't, um, you know, they're not going to win by, you know, just throwing the ball downfield. They're going to have to sort of basically keep North Carolina honest. Um, and so that that'll be the little bit of the chess match that I'll be watching because you're right. Yeah. Um, the the sort of the the book on Notre Dame is not uh, it's not a mystery novel right now. <laughs> it's not. No, even, no. Yeah, no. yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty it's obvious a, where the gaping holes are. I mean, yeah, it's not it's hard a, to it's figure a, out. It's a it's a, it's yeah. a pamphlet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a pamphlet. So. So uh, all right. So coffee. I I mentioned. I think I mentioned this last week. But besides just doing the predictions, I want to get your take on where we finish at the end of the year record wise. Cause I think each week it'll be interesting to see what our, mm. what our thoughts are with that. But before you do that, you got to at least tell me what you're drinking. Cause 
Ah, I know you're. I know you're a big bourbon guy, and I want to at least see. <laughs> Since you've changing started this podcast, I'm changing my handle up. on ND Nation from N- from El Cabong to Drinks on YouTube. But yeah, there you go. Uh, no, this is a uh, this is Journeyman Silver Cross. Uh, last weekend before the game, I was uh, up with friends in Three Oaks. We did a tour of the distillery, sampled a whole bunch of stuff, and this was a fantastic bottle. So I grabbed some. So if those ND fans, if you are nice in South Bend and you're thinking, what am I going to do on a Friday? Or the, the, it's like a fifty-minute drive, right? Forty. Oh, even probably even less than that. But go up yeah. to Three Oaks, check Journeyman out. It is very, very well worth your time. And they are not paying me a dime to say this, so <laughs> I think this is damn good. And it takes the edge off watching the first half of. You know, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the first four, the first four three and outs. Oh God! And so I think, they, I think they still have a really cool, crazy, fun putting green behind the distillery. Yes, they do. So, and in fact, oh, as wow. I found as I found out this weekend is, it is designed on the uh, like with St Andrews in mind. I mean, it's not just a flat putting green. There's hills and everything. And oh yeah, for nine dollars, they'll give you a putter and a ball, and you can nice. take a drink out in the back, and it's fantastic. So if you go to Journeyman, tell them the ND Nation guy from Dome and Domer told them told you to come out and have some fun. So nice. There again, you go. not paying me a dime to say this, but anyway. All right. So uh, what's your so prediction? Um, so uh, for Saturday in our prediction contest, I picked a thirty-one to twenty-eight Notre Dame win. I know that uh, North Carolina has scored some points, but they have scored some points against absolute nobodies and. I think playing a defense like Notre Dame, which, I mean, at least to me, seems to be playing better, at least incrementally, smallly incrementally, that's a word, but every game, I think they're capable of showing up and then just seeing what the offense can do. And yeah, let's, you know, the old saying about you make your best improvements between games one and two. Let's see if that applies to starting quarterbacks also, because Drew, there's a difference between coming in off the bench, rescuing your team, and stepping in the first play from scrimmage and having to perform, especially at home with national television audience and 81,000 people looking at you. And I'm willing to give Drew Pine the benefit of the doubt. I think he's going to be better playing on the road with much lower expectations than he did this year. And as far yeah. as the the season goes... I'm really concerned about what SC is going to do to us at the end of the season. But for right now, I'm willing to say we're going to end up nine and three. Oh, I'll take that. <laughs> at this moment, I'll take that all day long. All right, Ed, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate that. I hate this game, but I'll say eight and four. Um, just, I think, I think uh, between, I think between SC, Clemson, um, I hate to say BC and BYU. I think there's no, two. BC, more... BC's offensive line is terrible. I know, but we're early in the year and, you know, whatever. I, again, I think Notre Dame's going to lose to a team that they should beat and they're going to beat a team that they should, yeah. you know, lose to. Um, so I see two more losses. Um, as far as Saturday goes, I think, I think Coffee makes a great point. You know, one of the things that impressed me about the Ohio State game is that Notre Dame came right out of the chute and they were composed. They didn't look like they didn't belong. They had a lot yeah. of you know guys playing for the first time, including the quarterback, basically, um, who you know came out eight for eight. 
Um, in other words, they did not, you know, they were in the horseshoe. It was 100,000 screaming people. Whatever their preparation was with the noise, you know, worked. So I, I think going on the road um, into a much more benign environment, I'm sorry, Chapel Hill, but, you know, give me a break um, compared to the horseshoe. Um, you know, I think that they, I think that there is something um, to Mike, what Mike's talking about in terms of the, the, sometimes it's good to go on the road, right? Sometimes uh, it's good to go and sort of feel like it's, you know, you guys against the world. And so I think that that's a positive. I agree that Pine will play better. Um, you know, I think he's a good, you know, I think he's a good, potentially a good game manager. Um, and uh, and I, I, I do think that Notre Dame will, will play better. They kind of got a little bit of a monkey off their back and they'll, They'll push North Carolina around at times, and to me, the big play, you know, does does uh, does kind of scare me. But I think that um, I think that they will create some turnovers for the first time because I think North Carolina is somewhat susceptible to, to committing them. Or, and I think if they take care of the football, um, you know, they'll win by you know a touchdown. Um, so I'll be a little bit more optimistic than Coffee, and I'll say that they win. 28 to 20. Second. Yeah, I kind of think uh, my, my ahead, prediction. Hmm? I was well, thinking. You were going to say something, Coffee. No, no, no. I, 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 want, I, I want to finish up with one question that has nothing to do with this game. So, Bram, you make okay. your. All right, I'll, I'll finish. So, I, I think uh, 34 27 is what I'm predicting. And I, I'm kind of leaning towards that. Notre Dame, 34 27 Notre Dame. And I think, I think 8 and 4. Is probably where we'll end up because I think there'll be a game that we lose that we really shouldn't, but I think it'll be kind of weird circumstances, that kind of thing. Um, but in any event, I at the moment that's where I see us. I, I do think that we, like Ed said, I think we'll kind of fuel off of being in that environment away, but not hostile like Ohio State. And I, I think we'll get some mojo going a little bit with this win. Um, and I think it'll be a, a you know a movement where we kind of see some improvement that starts to get us back on the right track and, and headed in the right direction. Well, let, let me ask you guys a question that prompt was prompted by a discussion I had offline with a buddy of mine. Should Steve Angeli start the UNLV game? No. Why? Totally depends. I mean, there's a lot to happen between well, now and then. I mean, how, how many, how many, knowing what we know now and knowing that we want to know what we have now. going into next year, is that the right game to give him a start and see what he's got? How 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 many hours had you been a journeyman when this suggestion? <laughs> two. Just okay. two. The, the, we, we hadn't gotten to the tasting room yet. We were still in the distillery yeah. looking. No, at but you know what? You, you, in in a in a in a sort of a way that you probably intended, you're making a good point. Um, one of the problems to me, if when you have a team like this, is that um, that is you know sort of definitely underperforming some expectations, um, is that you lose a lot of good development time because you don't have any blowouts. <laughs> you right. know, you don't you don't have games that you're winning right. 38 to six in the fourth in the third quarter. Um, and you don't get time for guys like Angeli or Tobias Merriweather, or in other words, you don't get the minutes on the field um, that uh, could be really helpful in their development. So I think I think it's a, a really valid point. And I would, while I, I still think it would be silly to start him, um, I do think that a goal should be to get him playing time 
Um, and maybe that means you've got to be a little bit creative with that. Maybe that means you got to take a little risk and put him in there if you're only up 21 nothing or something like that for a series. You know, the game is not completely salted away. Um, and you're not, but you're not going to have many opportunities to do that. It's going to be, you know, UNLV or Navy or, you know, or maybe BC or, you know, if you're lucky and, and get a lead. But you make a good point. So I would definitely try and find a way to play him. But I think starting him is crazy. Well, I, 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 the reason I bring it up, and, and it's partially what you said, and I think we're going to spend this year trying to figure out what we have. But I'm kind of thinking about next year, you've got CJ Carr as a quarterback commit, but he hasn't reclassified yet. And you're, you still may be another year away from knowing what you have. What I think Notre Dame needs to know is, can they go into next year without needing a 2023 quarterback or a transfer quarterback? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not writing this season off by any means, but I think they need to know really what they've got. I mean, obviously you're not going to see Tyler Buckner for the rest of the season. I mean, he's gone. We're going to see a lot of Drew Pine over the next couple of games. We're going to know what he's capable of and who he's not capable of. I think we need to have some Steve Angeli time to say, yeah. what, what is well, this guy giving us? Well, because if, if we need someone to come in next year from the transfer portal, and I, I don't want Notre Dame to get mercenary like that, but if you're looking in the next season, if CJ Carr is not going to be available or is going to be a freshman, is not going to necessarily get ready to execute. Do you know if you have to hit the transfer portal hard to have a better season next year? Well, regardless yeah. of what CJ Carr does, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's recruiting malpractice not to bring in at least one quarterback in every I agree. Class. Completely. So, agree. Oh, they're so trying. I, my, they're trying to get somebody right now. Don't kid yourself. They're trying. Yeah. No, I they know just, they are. They just they can't they are. get anybody. But I think, yeah, well, that's because they put all their chips in the Dante Moore basket and it didn't right. pan out. And, and it fell. So, yeah. yeah. So, no, but I mean, my preference would be that they bring in you know, uh, a quarterback in this situation, just because you will have, hopefully by the end of the year, three guys that have played, right? You'll have Buckner, mm -hmm. you'll have Pine, you'll have Angeli, who have at least seen the field. And uh, and you'll kind of know what you have. Now, I think the point Coffee is making is if you throw Angeli out there and he just looks like absolutely not a Division One <laughs> Power 5 yeah. quarterback. Then Which, for the record, I don't think that's what he's going to look like. I, 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 understand what, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And I, I agree. That well, I, to, yeah, to further your point, Coffee, I, I'll make a prediction here. I guarantee you that prior to the Clemson game, we see meaningful minutes from Angeli. Because I think for the very point that you pointed out, we got to know what we're dealing with. You can't go into next year without knowing what you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And I, I think they're going to give him some reps, like Ed said, whether it's 21 nothing. They're gonna have to gamble at that point because you got to see them. You got to you got to at least get them in and see what you're dealing with. And I, I I'll be shocked if we're not in that situation come Clemson with at least some sort of read on Angeli. And, um, and, and you know, look by the same token, I think that just college football in general. I mean, what are the chances Drew Pine's gonna go without any kind of hiccups, whether it be the wind knocked out of you or whatever from now till then, it's highly unlikely he's not going to get pulled if for that reason alone, you know. Um, considering, that this, considering this is Notre Dame football, to me, it's almost it, it, 50-50 scenario yeah. that Pine exceeds expectations, that he finishes the Ooh. year strong, that he put, that, and that we've got a freaking nightmare on our hands next year because you've got a guy that's won six of his seven starts 
And, you know, he's managed games well enough to be a competent starting quarterback, but he's not, you know, uh, he, you know, he's just all not a, in all. Yeah, yeah he's I, not going to put a game on his arm. No, You're not going to do that. Yeah. Because that's how Notre Dame football goes these days. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We have the Ian books of the world. We have, you know, the, we have these guys that are, you know, you know, solid college quarterbacks that can get you so far, but probably not where you want to go. Um, they're not Bryce Young. They're not, um, you know, uh, whatever the cubic, the guy, the next guy that looks like he's going to be terrific at Clemson. They're not, uh, yeah, exactly. They're not, uh, um, whatever. So, whatever his name is. No, no, it's not the guy. The other guy. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I can't. The guy who does the thing. That's well. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, I think that is that if you really want to nail it down, at the end of the day, it's we need a top-notch quarterback that we have not had, arguably since Clawson. And I know people have different opinions about Clawson, but. The one damn thing he was good at was accuracy, and we just haven't had that. And that, that's also been better with better coaching. It just doesn't make any sense that we can't recruit a four-star quarterback to come to Notre Dame. I mean, that's just crazy in my mind. But uh, it looks like the, some of that's changing. So let's hope for the best. Yeah. But I, I definitely think that we need to at least see some evaluation on Angeli, and the only way you can ev evaluate him is get him in the game. So. Somehow we got to figure that out. We got to get you know, him we had, we had a really small sample size, but um, you know, before he got hurt, before he got hurt, um, I'm probably going to get his name wrong. I really liked what I saw from that guy. Was his name Brendan Clark? Um, yeah, was a little bit tough, tough guy. Like yeah, a little bit. He had a little bit of swagger to him. Yeah, he seemed to have a real feel for the game. Um, he was, you know, he was a competent. Um, he was a comp. He he moved, you know, up and back in the pocket fairly well. Um, is Coffee putting on his Joe Montana jersey? Yes, yeah, he is. Nice. Yeah. These well, are you can hope like hell. Should have worn this weekend. There, yeah. There's. This, I don't see him coming anytime soon. So no, but this <laughs> unless this, CJ this Carr turns out to be something that we don't know. This style green with the gold letters and all of this. <laughs> just, well, this is this is this is where I will give the the, uh, you know, this is this is another thing I was talking about Sully today. You know, like. Uh, I long for the days when we had at least seven or eight quarterbacks on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that, you know, but I, those were like, the well, days, but think about it. I mean, that's the other side of the portal. I mean, you know, if you want to be ruthless about this, you could, you could have, you know, in March and April, you could have a hundred guys in your roster. Right. Yeah. And yep. then you basically just go right down the line, you know, in, in early June and tell which ones you think need to hit the portal or not. Yep. Think they yep. need to tell them that they have to, and that's All how you right. get to 85. Um, yeah. Because that's what teams are doing right now. They're just stockpiling, you know, the at least the oh, elite totally. team, yeah, right? Totally. And then yeah. and then they just basically, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, they you know they basically just have cuts. <laughs> no, <laughs> and that's if you're right. Nick, if you're Nick Saban or Kirby Smart or Ryan Day, you can do that, and you just kind of decide who your best 85 are. But you start with a pool of about 105. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Is what it is. And and you know, listen. You either you either sort of believe in the way Notre Dame does things, and you hold that as as sort of part of something that you like to carry around, or um, or you or you go in that direction. And I'm not advocating yeah. for either one, but it's a very different way of doing business. Yep. Yep. And I apologize. Amen to that. The show for ten minutes. But there you go. 
All right, good deal. We'll leave it there. You've been listening to Dome and Domer, an online conversation about Notre Dame sports from a fan's perspective. For Ed Jordanik and Mike Coffey, I'm Mike Brammer. Thanks for listening.